Um, so, on this episode of Modern Love, I'm going to read Trying to Keep Up with Grandma's Love Life. Um, and the caption is, My grandmother was getting married for the third time to her former brother-in-law, of all people. I didn't expect to envy them. Which I thought sounds quirky and funny, and hopefully contains no cruise ships. Although I can't promise anything, because it is about a grandma. Um, So if it does, I haven't read ahead, so if it does contain cruise ships, I am incredibly sorry. And then there's a little illustration of this man in this cloud of, like, exhaust fumes, with uh, two OAPs sitting in this car that has just married written on it, and they're skirting down the road away into the into the big blue world so three years ago my mother sent me a text that read grandma gert three jake zero oh and it's written by jake maynard so i think he's writing that jake is him fyi the joke being that her 80 year old mother gert was getting married for a third time while i at 28 was still single But the odder twist, too strange to joke about, perhaps, was that Gert's soon-to-be husband was her former brother-in-law, Bill. (laughs) Saucy minx. Uncle Bill, who had been married to Gert's sister, was also heading into his third marriage, at 79. Their previous spouses had died, three from cancer and one from a heart attack. Oh, that's very sad. My family has always been thick and messy spread like soft cheese across two counties in the most rural part of Pennsylvania. And more and more, our family tree was beginning to seem a little Faulknerian. Faulkner. Faulknerian. Faulknerian. Basically what he's saying is that it's a yee-haw family. (laughs) Not long ago, when Gert's minivan pulled into my parents' driveway with Uncle Bill at the wheel, my mother was blessedly ignorant. Oh, isn't that nice, she said. Bill has been driving my mother around all winter. The news of their courtship dropped a few weeks later, when the two were spotted walking down Main Street holding hands. The engagement came a few weeks later. A wedding planned for June. That's quick. That's a quick turnaround. Hmm. I didn't know how to respond to my mother's text. Was she disturbed that her mother was marrying her uncle? Oh, that is actually so weird. That's just strange. I considered telling her that interfamilial marriages were once very common, even the stuff of old nobility. This is... <laughs> and anyway, at their age, the relationship was probably more akin to roommates than romantic partners. But that's not what I said, because what I actually say to my mother and what I should say to my mother are rarely the same. And she had started something with the barb about my reluctance to wed, so I replied with a barb of my own. Oh, like verbal barbs. I did not understand what was happening. You think it's because she's knocked up? <laughs> My grandmother and Bill married that June under a white tent that hosted the reception too. A thoroughly country affair with food fit for a Methodist potluck. Gert wore a pale blue silk dress and Bill wore a matching bow tie. It was sticky hot and the crowd was edgy, ready to spring into action if one of the newlyweds went down in the heat. (laughs) During the ceremony, I bounced one of my nieces on my knee and my girlfriend Annie bounced the other. We had been together seven years and were 28. While I called Annie my girlfriend, she called me her partner, which exemplified the trouble between us. To my family, it was strange that Annie and I weren't married, and almost as strange that we didn't have children. My grandmother, I knew, started having children as a teenager. So had my sister and many of our cousins. 
Most of my mother's siblings were grandparents by 45, if not sooner. Oh my goodness. This is very yeehaw. While Annie and I were very much behind schedule, everyone seemed optimistic. Annie was smart and great with children. She had grown up on a farm and played the fiddle, an idealised country girl who could keep me in line. If my family thought Annie and I were odd for being unmarried and childless at 28, my friends in Morgantown thought the opposite, that we were odd for even being in a long-term relationship at all. In my graduate student circles, few people were coupled up, and even fewer had been together as long as Annie and I had. Out at bars, I'd listen as my friends laughed about Tinder or swapped stories about blurry hookups, whereas Annie and I had recently used Google Calendar to schedule times to have sex. <laughs> no, that that should not, that shouldn't be a thing. I don't like that idea. As much as I love Google Calendar and sex separately, I think they should not be merged. The idea of marriage was embarrassing, but it wasn't that I wanted to be single and free. I just wanted to appear that way. I didn't want to seem hickish, prudish and tied down, the traits I saw in many members of my family. Getting away from home had meant getting away from living like I was at home. But still, so young, I had chosen to couple up. You can't take the country out of a boy, I guess. Holding each other's liver-spotted hands, Gert and Bill said, I do, in a way that didn't seem even a little rote. The pastor said, while we take the photos, I'll let you sort out what to call each other. The attendees laughed, but after the joke faded, I noticed my mother looking, looking around thoughtfully, working to understand the new backstitch in the family thread. Oh, I see. It's just yee-haw jokes. The most awkward part of a wedding is usually the intersection of two families, a feeling that should have been largely absent from Gert and Bill's. But for me, another neurosis replaced it. Everybody in my hometown suddenly felt related, Tangled vines of my kin ensnaring the, the landscape, squeezing up the hills, rose up higher, so high, you couldn't see out. It's limiting in a place like that, where who are you and who is your family are the same question. In a way, it feels a lot like being partnered at a young age. It's hard to be yourself. This was a lesson I was just beginning to learn. Annie and I had spent so much time. Oh my goodness, I just can't talk. I think I think I'm going to just keep in some of the bit. I mean, I have re-recorded over the some of the bits where I've really stumbled up, so it wasn't even English. But do you see why I struggle to speak? Yeah. Annie and I had spent so much time together that I didn't know quite who I was without her. My life had been our life. Meeting new people in graduate school, I would hear myself beginning sentence, sentences with we instead of I. Who is we? People would say. Who indeed? For their first dance, Gert and Bill did a polka. While they bounced, unsteady and arthritic, <laughs> Annie wept small tears. My sister, tipsy from the airplane bottles of liquor she had brought in her purse, said, Do you see the way he looks at her? Just like he's always going to take care of her. Aww. This is quite a funny story. There was something about the idea that irked me. Is this why people get married? To have someone to take care of them? I wondered if some people just couldn't be alone not realising that I was a hypothetical person in my mind. Annie and I stayed together for two more years after Gert and Bill's wedding, our relationship steadily degrading despite our efforts to salvage it. The reasons we split are too numerous and boring to list, but in any event, my post-Annie life felt surprisingly terrifying and vast. Alone, for the first time in my adult life, I struggled. 
My credit was bad, and certain maddening bureaucracies, the cable bill, the car inspection, the groceries, had been entirely Annie's responsibility. No, I'm not going to lie, if when we get to all the bureaucracy stuff, we're both going to have to do it together, because otherwise I think I would lose my mind, and so would you. Actually, I don't think you would lose your mind, I think you're very good at getting things done. Ugh, you're so perfect, I can't believe it. If I sound pathetic, I was. The work of living had always been divided between Annie and me. After the love ended and we stopped even liking each other that much, we cared for each other by taking care of things for each other. Caring had filled the spaces that romantic love left when it evaporated. But it wasn't enough. It made me think of my sister's comments at the wedding, so I went to visit my grandmother and Bill. They had decided to start fresh, selling their houses and buying one together. It piqued my interest. If they could start over at 80, why couldn't I at 30? They seemed warm, if a little nervous, to entertain me for an afternoon, as if they were still learning their relationship dynamics around house guests. Oh. On the living room wall hung photos of their first and second marriages. It made me wonder if there were earlier photos of them together, back when they were the spouses of each other's siblings. That's still freaky. It made me wonder if they had been an attraction between them, or any inkling that life is long and impossible to predict. In the basement, Bill showed me his man-cave filled with camouflaged furniture, ceramic lamps made to resemble leaping deer, oh I hate them, and a case full of rifles passed through his family and my own. Ew. In the craft room, Gert had a card table covered in family documents and photographs. She was compiling ephemera from our family and Bill's into a huge book, interweaving the two families' histories in a way that their marriage interwove the present. Bill was as excited about the scrapbook as Gert was. She showed me a picture of my grandfather I had never seen, looking wry and ironic sitting on a donkey. Your grandfather, Bill said. He was a real hell of a guy. My grandmother ran her back across Bill's, her hand across Bill's back. It wasn't a gesture of comfort. There was something romantic about it. It was the way Annie had touched me for years after we met, and then not again for years afterwards. This is sad. It occurred to me how exciting it must have been for Gert to feel those electric pangs of love again. In that moment, I saw my grandmother and Bill not as old people seeking each other's comfort, or as old people at all, really. I saw them as newlyweds, love-struck and hopeful. I thought about how they both had lost love twice before, and how they entered into this new love at eighty, knowing they would lose it again. And all at once, they seemed brave. Wow. I'm not sure what I feel about that one. I think it was good in that it was nice to see people still being in love when they're old. I think Jake's own story was quite sad with Annie. I very much hope that we never lose this romantic spark, although I highly doubt that we would. I think we feel a bit too much for each other to lose that. But yeah, no, I I just wanted to record this for you today, even though today wasn't the easiest of days. Um, And I thought that it might be a sort of nice, easy story, but I guess not. And I don't think I'm going to re-record it, just because that would feel not organic. But yeah... I don't know, life is life is hard and it sucks sometimes. But I do I do feel really grateful to have you. And I know that it's not always gonna be easy 
for us or even between us but I am I am glad that like the one thing it shows is that we both care very much for each other I know we we often like to say that oh maybe we feel like the other person doesn't care and maybe for like a specific scenario we feel like the other person doesn't care but I think we both recognize how in the grand scheme of things how much we do really really care and then eventually we will both learn that even in the all the all the little things the other person also cares um i say that like as much for me as for you um i don't know i very much hope that we get to the right page of 80 and i will still run my hand down your back and we will make scrapbooks although I I really think that we would get rid of the whole camouflage rifle aesthetic because that is just some nasty stuff <laughs> but yeah I think I think what I feel for you is so like deeply carved into me that like I I, I sort of I'm so, I, I know that we've had quite a few conversations about this and sorry I'm kind of going off on a big tangent now um but I know that like so like earlier when I was struggling I thought that you know I thought that like ah, oh, maybe at, at one moment it would all go away for you and and now I'm slowly slowly mind you coming to believe that sort of no matter what happens in terms of like on a, on a day-to-day basis I mean, we always talk it out anyway, but no matter what happens, like, the, like I know that because it's true for me, it's true for you. Like, what I feel for you is always just so, so deep within me that it just, like, it just wouldn't go away for whatever reason. Like, I don't think, I just don't think it will ever go away for any reason. And it's like, if I don't think about it too much, I know it's there, it's just always there. But if I start thinking about it, I don't know, like, it, the feeling inside is super strange. Like, it's just, like, I, I can, I don't know. I don't believe that people have souls, which you do. But I, if I if I were to believe in the idea of a soul, like, what I feel for you is so deep in my core. Like, that's my core, that that's what I think a soul would be like. I don't know. Maybe this is all too much. Maybe this is all too dramatic. Maybe I'm being dramatic, but that's just kind of the my best explanation for me basically telling you that I I love you always and I will always love you. Yeah. So I hope you listen to these right before you go to bed because I think you have a tendency of just listening to them, you know, as a as a little. <laughs> evening activity and then you don't go to sleep for many many hours so I hope you are listening before you go to bed or next time you listen to one of these you you go to bed so that you sleep because sleep is important and I care about you but yeah um I love you a lot no matter what is all I want to say Good night, my baby.